Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Joining me as as mostly, as not as usual, uh, last week we had Warren Kosoy on, uh, but, uh, but Eric, you're back this week. And in looking at your Twitter, uh, you have a lot of things to say about best ball. <laughs> I do. I do have. I uh, do have a lot of. Things I. I. To I, say. I don't want to necessarily turn this into the like the best ball episode, because mm-hmm. I don't play best ball, and I and two reasons. One, uh, I don't want my money tied up for that long. Yep. Uh, I'd rather invest it elsewhere, uh, because I could, I could just put it. I could just put it in like a, a stock market. I could. I mean, like. I look at that percentage. It's like, if it, if it can't beat the S&P, then why am I bothering? Yep. Uh, for that long time period. Now, obviously, in DFS, you're churning, like, every day. So, it's... I'm not going to... If it's going to affect my DFS bankroll, I would definitely not play best ball. But, obviously, I have mm-hmm. enough of a bankroll that if I wanted to, I could play it. Uh, and, secondly, like, I, I like being good at things. <laughs> like, it, it's it's weird. It's weird. To, I, I don't think I'll be bad at best ball. But it's like once I start spreading myself out too thin with the things that I do, I'd rather make sure that, you know, I'm 100% focused on this. Like they, we have the Euros coming up for soccer. So I'm now yep. going to start playing with some of that. So some of my baseball may. So I may not play a baseball slate because I'm playing a soccer slate. While other people mm-hmm. are like, I don't mind playing six things at once. And if I play them 85% well, that's still good enough for profit. Like I, I, I'm just not comfortable with that type of situation. So I, I get mm-hmm. best ball. I get structured drafting. I get like the spike weeks. I, I get like with zero RB, those, those types of, you know, strategies that probably yeah. 90% of people don't get to begin <laughs> right. with. Uh, so like, I don't think I'll be bad at it, but I think we, but I think your takes on uh, how the, I don't want to call it the community, but how the industry community the average player plays best ball is very similar to what we discuss on, on this show as it is when it comes to, yep. to playing GPPs in DFS where like your, 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 your goal, your, your, tr- and, and, and let, the, am I wrong to say that in best ball, you play more like how I play GPPs. Like you're, you're playing these contests where like, you're in a league, but you're tr- all competing against, you want that million dollar prize. So yep. you're devising teams that have more of a shot at that million dollar prize, not the best shot at winning your 10 or 12 team league. Like you don't, that's, that would be like the cash game version <laughs> of the small field. Correct. Right. If you're playing the, the, whatever the FF, whatever, whatever initials, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not in the season long space. What a FFW, <laughs> PC, whatever the main event. If you whatever. pick, if you just pick two other, pick two other letters, there's probably an acronym somewhere with FF, and then pick every other right. combination of letters that exists. Right, yeah. but but in these drafts that you're doing for best ball, you're building teams that you, that have more of a likelihood of of scoring so well that you have a shot at the million dollar prize, even if you end up. It turns out that you come in last place in the in your league, and you're not even close. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a, a, a couple things, a, a few things to kind of unpack. Well, first of all, it is that I, I enjoy I enjoy like drafting. I think, you know, 
when you, if you come up doing any you know season long fantasy type stuff when you're when you're younger, I think I mean the like the underdog folks, Jeremy and formerly the draft. I mean they've just nailed it that like a lot of the fun, the majority of the fun for most people of playing these types of leagues is like the actual draft, and so that's what you get to do right in this. And I never have to touch it again because I don't want that's. Similar to how you you know you don't want to tie up your money for best ball and all that, I don't want to put the effort into the season long <laughs> teams because I'm I'm you know I'm doing I'm spending most of my week during the football season or during baseball basketball whatever playing DFS and and doing other stuff and so the the management of those teams is just absolutely of no interest of no interest to me doing waivers and trades and all that kind of stuff of no interest so the best ball you kind of get the the best of both worlds and I think. I really, really do believe we're starting to see like a, a boom in this. I, I'm not saying season long is going to go away because that's not that's not true. But I think best ball is going to kind of become this new bridge between what normal people think of, you know, the traditional fantasy football, traditional season long stuff, and and DFS, which is very clearly a different game. And and it's it's a it's not hard. But it's not as it's not quite as everybody knows how to like draft a fantasy football team like in general, right? Every, basic fantasy football is like, uh, you know, mom, you know, stay at home moms and people who don't even watch watch football or care about gambling or care about fantasy football have probably been in some kind of fantasy football league. DFS is like, oh, there's a salary and there's you know these all of these kind of unique positions like flexes and utilities and, and all this kind of stuff that just make it a little bit. Um, of a steeper learning curve, you know, a little bit more difficult onboarding process. And so I, I'm really bullish on best ball, like as a, as a space. And we already, we've already seen the, the thing that allows me better to um, kind of lock up this money for an extended period of time is the upside we're now seeing in, in these contests. You can spend 20 bucks and, you know, the upside is a million dollars. You know, so the upside of me putting twenty dollars into the stock market, my returns are probably, you know, my, my money is safer for sure. But um, and and I can, you know, in s- certain spots make make a significant amount of money. But like I'm probably not turning twenty bucks, you know, unless I'm Dogecoin or something like that. I guess I can turn twenty bucks into into a million. But th- there's this upside now that like you know, I'm not spending money that, like you said, that I would feel uncomfortable taking away from my DFS bankroll or sports betting bankroll or anything like that. So that's like number one. That's the, is this one the, long way of saying that I'm too much of a nit to play best ball? Well, we already knew that. Yeah. Right, okay, so, okay. Um, I just, I just yeah. want to like, like, cause I would want to play those content cause that's, that's cause I, I'm not only tying up my money, but I'm tying up my money in a very risky investment. So it's like, so here's the type of thing. If I wanted to draft a whole bunch of teams and spend two, $3,000, like it yeah. has to be like I treat GPPs in DFS, where it's exactly. like it's quite possible I get a, a negative ninety percent return, and I it's only and truthfully it's only one slate, right? It's one season, all right? right. I mean, it's like if if I don't draft and you know I I and then you get the diversification just like I would do in GPPs mm-hmm. of like well I'm not going to just draft the same guy in in fifty of my drafts or something unless obviously you think you know you're you're gonna get something there. Uh, are there are there any are there any that this is because this would be more up my alley. Are there are there any auction best balls? Not uh, well, so not that was this. the format that I when I played season long, like I always played in auction. Like I'm a hardcore yeah. purist, right? I yep. want to like 
I don't mind the best ball concept of you draft, you basically draft once and you don't have to make any transactions or nothing. I'm fine with that. But I like the concept of like, there's no such thing as like the first pick. It's, yep. you have the budget and, and now you're competing against, you know, 11 other people, 10 other people, 14 other, whatever, whatever the size league. And it's like, there's a strategy on when to bring up certain players, right? Okay. And then, and you could have, if you want Christian McCaffrey for $38, more than you can, if you, if, if you could build a team and then you take these $1 backup running backs and hope that, you know, there's a, and then there's so many other different types of strategies when it comes to auctions. But obviously that takes a lot. That's number one. You need all the people there at once. You can't have yeah. these drafts where it's five hours in between picks or slow drafts where you could yep. do it on your own time. So like, like even like my edge to me would be, in, in more of an auction type of thing, but I, but they can never run million dollar prizes for those no. type types of leagues. I th- and I think stuff like that is, is, is coming. And like I said, that's, I'm just bullish on the bullish on the, the best ball space in general. But what I was going to say that I think is more geared towards you is a lot of what you talk about um, in terms of like why you play the large field contest and why you are, you know, a, playing a, a lot of dumb money, a lot of dead. There's, I believe, you know, there's plenty of, again, let's preface this by there's plenty of smart people out there. There's other great content creators and, you know, sites and touts, whatever, doing good work. And they're, and they're, they're, they're doing a good job. And I think that they're smart, just like happen exists in DFS. But I think this is right now more like when we talk about, we're like, oh, it wouldn't be like this five years ago. That's where we are right now in best ball. Like, there's people every draft you you're in basically every draft there's there's dead like a total at least one like totally completely dead team so so we're talking right, one right, out right. of 12 someone taking right. Aaron Rodgers with uh, 1.03 yeah exactly right, right. so even even in these and like right now i would consider the drafts like sharper people right people aren't that interested yet the majority of casual consumers are not that interested yet in in fantasy football drafts so like this is like the relative a little bit sharper um portion of portion of the crowd and like you said yeah there's somebody that takes some some agree you know this 12th round guy in the second round or or, or there's there's like issues with um uh, like auto drafting like you step away from your phone or your computer for a stretch and you start you start auto drafting, and next thing you know, you got four quarterbacks, right? Which is bad. In case anyone doesn't doesn't know, that's not it's not good to have that many. You know, four out of your eighteen players to be quarterbacks, um, or you know, six tight ends or whatever. So there's there's it, it, there's like so many different aspects to there being saw uh, the the competition is just incredibly soft. That's setting aside my like strongest beliefs, which are the things that you and I talk about on this podcast. Like in terms of the fact that this thing is a game and people should be approaching it as a game and trying to find their way to the top of, you know, to, to accomplish the goal of this winning this game. I don't think people are even the smart people are not doing that. Well, yet, I, I right? like it, in, it, from, from my perspective in one aspect, like and understand if you're listening to this right now, I don't play best ball. I'm going to be saying things <laughs> theorizing based on what I know and my experience you know, I've done draft leagues in the past. I, I mean, I, yeah. I've played fantasy football season long. Uh, that I, what I find in, in my Twitter timeline, at least, I don't necessarily read season long stuff because it doesn't apply to what I do. Uh, no. That people focus, it's very similar to DFS when they focus on exposures uh, in their lineups. 
that they focus too much yep. on like ADP value. Mm-hmm. Like I got, I got a third, I got a guy in the fifth round that has an ADP in the third. Like, like I was able to get a third round guy in the fifth round. And I'm like, to me that I'm, I view that you, you, you set me straight because you know way more about best ball than I do. That's like that to me, that's like cash game type thinking of yep. like, well, you've got extra value. It's like, okay, you have more value to possibly score better in your league, but is your team structured in a way to capitalize on, on, but when it, it doesn't matter that you got a guy that has, let's say, uh, let's say you have some third receiver that has an ADP in the eighth, you know, eighth round and you, and you picked him in the sixth round, but then, so you picked him above board, but then for some injury happens or something happens where, well, he's the type of player that if something happens the right way, he ends up becoming wide receiver one on his team and that team overperforms. And now he's sitting at 1200 yards and 14 touchdowns. And it's like, does it matter that you, your draft capital, like truthfully, he has a performance now that he should have gone in the second round and you got him in the sixth, even though he's currently being drafted in the eighth. So it's, it's to me, I, I view all of that as like people like, they're they're judging it based on median and not based on like what's the rest of their line like that taking that guy in the sixth round when you possibly probably could get him in the eighth makes more sense on the team that you're currently building because of uh, another player that you have like 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 the like if you end up with a wide receiver from one team it's like you're more likely to have a quarterback from that team so yet is it worth even though this quarterback is being drafted in the twelfth round, it makes more sense for you to just take him in the tenth or eleventh before someone else does because he makes more sense because he's correlated with your team. Even though people would look at that pick and go, "Wow, you got hoes there." Is is that the type of thing that that you're like ranting against strategically on Twitter, where people are not people are focused too much. Too, like we say this in DFS, too much on players and not enough on lineups. Yep, that that is so that you know there's a there's a tipping point just like we talk about with with DFS when it comes to you know giving up too much projection, too much value, too much whatever. And so like you are trying to you know using your specific example, you are trying to stick as close to as you can to that ADP right because you don't want to be giving up. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, from a DFS perspective, I don't want to give up so much projection for the, the benefits of the correlation and the game theory aspects and all that. Um, so you're just towing that line. Right. And so like, I'm always kind of hub trying to hover as close to, to the, you know, their, their, right. you're, you're not, you you're not, it, but you're it's not, not you're not drafting a wide of, receiver in the second round. And it's like, I might as well take his quarterback in the third. It's like, you shouldn't be taking yeah. quarterback. You shouldn't be taking uh, who, you know, Andy Dalton. Right, yeah, <laughs> like right, in the third right. round, just to make sure you have the correlation. Just like you, know, you could, you could probably get him in the fourteenth or say, I mean, you could, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. like, like that. That's you're giving. That's that would be the example of giving up too much projection for the sake of of le- yep. uh, correlation and leverage. Right, but to to your point, you know, you said it perfectly at the end, which we say constantly, and and you know, you you have kind of summed up well over a long period of time. Is it is about so in this example, it is about the team that you built. It is not about any of the players are chess pieces to create, you know, to make your moves on this team and build this team that needs to have, you know, 
And there's a million ways to build a team, right? Like you even said, you know, there's zero RB. There's a, you know, there's everybody's got a new name for every stupid ass strategy that everybody's already been doing for a long time. But anyway, they're like the 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 team, those 18 or 20 DraftKings, those 20 players, those 20 players have to be the right pieces all fit to fit together. And it has absolutely nothing to do with, right? Like, oh, I got so and so, and you know, so and so is a fourth rounder and he fell to the sixth. That, I'm that it, that's fine. That can be a good thing, right? Like that can be an absolutely a good thing because it boosts your projection and boosts your your ceiling and all that. But you could still make an absolutely horrible team with a bunch of guys you got as good values, right? Because you didn't construct the team, you know, according to the rules of this game that you're playing and to give you the the possibility of what like that's the other thing. I think I hear a lot people are like, well, you just gotta win your I just want I just want to win my league and then kind of see what happens. Right. That's like min cashing in GPPs. Exactly. I'm like, I, if I win one, right, if I win one league out of 150 and it wins the million dollars, do you think I give a shit? <laughs> do you think I give a shit that I got that many through? I understand what they're saying, though, right? Like, I'm trying to get shots on goal. The more teams I get through, the more chance I have I have to advance. And, like, the, I'm not I'm not trying to call, call anybody out. These are smarter guys. I know that they're making they're making good teams. But I just think that methodology is 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 backwards. And so like, it's very similar. I just want to highlight. It's very similar to PGA DFS mm. where a lot of people will say like my goal, my whole goal is to get six out of six. And then what happens from there is out of my control. And it's like, like there are certain golfers that, that I, I I can make, I can make a lineup that has much more maximization of six out of six, but Mm -hmm. actually has less win probability than, you know, guys that are more likely to be the first round leader or be, like you don't even bother watching on Friday because they, they either have to shoot the course record just to make the cut or they're, you know, they hit the back nine on Thursday and the back starts tightening up. Right. You know, like the Jason days, right. Oh shit. Just made triple my back. Right, but I play those guys. When I play PGA DFS, like my number one guy that I would play is Louis Oosthuizen. And I just have to, basically I have to just have to set my alarm for about uh, 10 minutes uh, before lock to make sure that if he withdrew or not, I mean like, but that would cause him to go low. I mean, and he would play some of these fields where, like, he's eighty four hundred or something, and like the like Patton Kazire is ten thousand. Like he's playing in like like he's a much better golfer than most of these guys in the field. But you know, he's withdrawn twice. He's you know he had been on a five week layoff, and then and then he's seven percent owned when he really should be twenty percent owned because people just don't want to play the guy that that you know we had Henry St- Henrik Stenson a couple of years ago. He had yep. a couple of mystery, like uh, after eight holes, I'm done. Like obviously, I'm I'm like you're, you're too you're too over. I mean, you're you're nope, he's done. So then he his ownership started going down. But yep. people are so concerned about I want to make sure all my guys make the cut, and it's like, like how many time how many times am I playing Stewart Sink? How many times is he going to win the tournament? I mean, yeah. yes, uh, yes, yeah, he'll make the cut ninety percent of the time, but like T thirty four. And when I'm playing large field GPPs, it's like I'd rather use that spot on a guy that could win. Exactly. And I think I think in, I, I think in best ball, it's a. I, I'm assuming you're drafting teams that some people would look at and go, "What are you nuts?" Yeah, absolutely. And th- and that's the thing is, you don't even have to get as crazy as I think people think. It's we talk about it in DFS too, right? People go way too far. Like I'm playing all one percent guys, you know. When, they're, they're, the the leverage is high, but the the win probability is so freaking low that you're just burnt. You're just burning money, or they go too far the other way, right? They're just playing 
playing all chalk. And I think best ball is like an even a massively more extreme version of, version of that where like like uh, the thing that's become kind of kind of popular because the guy who won the underdog draft, uh, the underdog big contest last year for 200 grand uh, did what now we're calling this hyper fragile, which is really funny because I don't even think it's that it's that fragile. But he's only taking four running backs out of 18 and he's taking them early and then like just being like, OK, those guys got to stay healthy and those guys got to be be my running. But, you know, the, I'm only counting on those guys. And like it's funny because now that's become all the rage solely because you know everybody just yeah but <laughs> what what, but the, the problem is choose. that this is why I like auctions better than than drafts is that the only the only way that it's fragile is if everyone else is doing something different yes. so like so I can understand that strategy so I'm thinking just game I'm just remember I don't I'm not I don't play best ball I'm just thinking mm-hmm. theoretically that if everyone if ever when I use everyone, it doesn't have to be everyone. But if a majority of the people in your league are going with the robust, hyper fragile, like I'm just going to take Saquon Barkley and hope he stays healthy, that that works in an environment when most of your opponents are aiming for zero RB, right? Because you're getting you're, yep. you're 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 getting guys that the other guy that 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 you're getting higher ADPs, right? Because you're yep. able to get better guys in the second round or the third round because. Everyone else is taking wide receivers, right? And then they're going to pick up these these running backs in the seventh, eighth, ninth round type of thing. Well, but if every like if everyone's playing zero RB, like the best the best strategy in that league would to be to, to be able to get like a, a top running back in like the second round because yep. all these wide receivers, like you see what. Like it's like, dude, you, you could pick up this guy in the, with the seventh pick when you really he should have gone second overall. <laughs> but yep. that's only because the people in your league, like it's it's a finite thing. Like it's not like DFS where you could just pick anyone you want under the salary cap. There's an ownership. Like how much this guy is worth to you depends on their ownership. But you could play mm-hmm. anyone you want in these drafts. Like once a guy is gone, it's gone. So do yep. do you think that that a lot of people that are looking into these strategies like you also, I think it was you on Twitter that you discount a lot of the previous analysis in past year. Like, well, what worked yet last year, and what worked yeah. the past three years, and it's like that's that's the very, very same thing of like, well, what worked the past uh, two weeks of MLB slates. <laughs> And go exactly. well. Five of the five of the times it was a five one 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 that won, and five and two of the times of like like dude, it's such a small sample size. Like, what do you like? What worked last year? And also, the team that won like the two hundred thousand or whatever may actually have been an outlier. And more of the top one percent of lineups actually had a much different construction and like the variance of like the like we see in in baseball. We we see plenty of times. A lineup. We'll have a 15 game slate tonight, and a lot. And on a 15 game slate, you're typically always, you're always stacking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's it's easily possible that a lineup that is essentially a one 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 right uh, <laughs> that that yep. wins that wins first place for a hundred thousand tonight on DraftKings or whatever, and people will go, well, that's what I should be doing, but they don't realize like the next 200 lineups are all five threes. Right, it's like, yep. like, yeah, one out of a million shot lineup ended up okay, ended up winning. But why, why are you focusing so much in that winning lineup and not? 
even if you're going to do that small sample size analysis, shouldn't you be doing it on like the top 1% of lineups, top 0.1% of lineups rather than just the winning lineup? Because now it's a small sample size and it's a possible outlier. And how many, how many, you don't have enough, what for the past, when people, when I see this is what worked last year, I'm like, dude, last year, that's it. Like, <laughs> it, like if any, and best ball hasn't been around long enough to say this is what's happened the past 20 years or anything. So do, do any of those things matter? If anything, you, you, if anything, you do it as reconnaissance. If everyone is saying like last year, this mm-hmm. worked, all that means is that that strategy will be overowned, And then you in, invoke a strategy that, that isn't, or with recent, I, I want to ask you about recency bias. Uh, so I'm interested. These are questions that I, I mean, like mm-hmm. I'm theorizing stuff and you tell me if, if I'm on the right path. Um, <laughs> NFL is, has so much more parity than other sports. Like, you're not... Like, what we say in DFS, like, the first week of the season, oh, the Rams' defense is great. Like, mm-hmm. dude, we don't even know that yet. Yep. Right? Personnel changes, coaching changes. Do you... Like, what I would do, like, similar to, like, the vomit stack type of approach on uh, with DFS, is that, like, if there's a coaching... Like, for instance, I take a look at the Jets. And I go, Adam Gase sucks. Adam Gase's offense sucks for fantasy purposes. Like, who says that? Who says? Uh, am I saying the Jets go twelve and four or whatever? They have seventeen games this right now. Now it's what twelve and five. They're adding an yeah. extra game. Uh, yeah. But can the Jets go seven and nine and have like a couple of weeks where like they put up thirty six points on some? I mean, and do I have uh, do I have a stack of that? Do I have, oh, you know, wide receivers or whatever, or, you know, running back? I don't know. I don't even know who's on what team anymore because I, I don't care about it until like a week before the first DFS slate. But right. is it the type of thing that you do that you take a look at? Have there been any significant personnel changes and people will just assume that the team that was good last year is good this year, regardless. I know that, that uh, narratives change like for the Titans, Right, because they're getting Julio yeah. Jones. I mean, like those types of moves. But I'm talking about just like, like coaching moves. Like, is is Patricia still coaching the Lions? No, but they they somehow hired somebody who's maybe even more of a more of a boomer, and they're going to be a stone disaster. But to your point, but but that's the I point that I'm making. Like, instead of if there's a coaching change, like we saw, it, but people either overvalue or undervalue it. Because I remember when Klingsbury yep. went to the Cardinals, and all of a sudden it's like. Like, got to get Murray, got to get all these got Kirk because it's going to be air raid just like in college and stuff. And that didn't, it didn't do yeah, badly, it but it didn't awful. work out to the ADPs yeah. that people were drafting the Cardinal stacks. Right. For the horizontal it. raid as our, as uh, Lord, as Rich, Rich Rebar right. pointed. Everybody to, people, thought it was going to be. Right. People are trying to make Andy Isabella happen every week. <laughs> as someone who tried to make Andy Isabella happen, I can confirm, yes, that that's what we were doing. But your point what I would summarize it as is, again, it's a perfect parallel to DFS, but it revolves around uncertainty, right? There, there's especially coming into a brand new NFL season, there's so much uncertainty, like a ton. Whether it's coaching changes, there's right, there's always an influx of new players because of rookies, be free agents, whatever. Like there's constantly a bunch of coaching changes. Even when there's not head coaching changes, there's offensive coordinator changes and defensive coordinator. There is so much. Like, but the field 
picks and chooses, just again, just like in DFS, what things they believe and what things are too murky for them to invest in. So it's funny you brought up the Jets because the Jets are one of the I did a, a one of the first articles I did of the year, and I was and I basically outlined exactly what what you just said. I'm like, every Jets player is free, basically, in in these best ball drafts. They've rid themselves of this <laughs> atrocity of uh, a coaching staff with Gase and and Greg Williams and such. And the point is, I have no idea. Maybe they will be just as bad, but the cost is free to find out. And if the and if they happen to be even just remotely decent, like you said, and they don't even have to win games. Frankly, I, I don't I don't give a shit if they win games. If they lose, it might be better for their offense because they're you know their defense. But is at least but at least they're points. throwing the ball and not running Frank Gore into the line twenty six times when they're down <laughs> two touchdowns. Exactly. So that that that's literally all you need to happen for the offense to have enough upside to like be good for you in these in these best ball formats is not like you said is is throw more than twenty times when you're down by thirty in the second half. But like th- that, people have decided, you know, and and I, I don't I don't mean like that's that's the other thing is like there's like, these guys are all drafted right. So it's not like in DFS where it's like this guy was zero percent or this guy was one percent. So clearly the public decided that this you know everybody is pretty much getting drafted. But they're 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 deciding with where they're drafting these players, right? Also, it and matters so, how they're structuring their lineups. Yeah, like, I don't think yes. anyone is structuring their lineups around the Jets. But that that's another lever that you know sharper players can pull is that you want to have stacks in your teams, and so as you're you know you have to be able to adapt on the fly, right? As you're drafting um, this team, you know if if the stacks come together naturally early on with uh, some earlier teams, right? The Cowboys or the the Seahawks or whatever, where you kind of have some expensive players, but sometimes the draft doesn't come together for you that way. Or, you know, you draft an early quarterback. So now I don't want to invest more of my heavy capital into another quarterback when I have Dak Prescott or, or Kyler or Lamar or whatever. So now I want to be waiting. Well, but I also want to be cognizant of the fact that I would need to be correlating with that second quarterback. Well, the jets are like, the fallback plan every like, they're just the perfect fallback plan their their quarterback goes in the 15th round and all their wide receivers go like round 12 or later or whatever so it's like but having that not understanding of you know how you should be constructing your teams and keeping it in mind as as the draft proceeds it's just like things that people don't do you know and and people don't you know i kind of, uh, would call it like backdooring a stack right because i'm not building out my team with with this Jets stack in mind, because nobody is doing that. But everyone is like, okay, I got Julio Jones. Now I have to stack the Titans. And it's like, no, not really. Like, you know, oh, I got Tyreek Hill. I got to stack the Chiefs. You know, oh, I got, they're always building it around. Like, what's the thing that just happened in my draft at the beginning of my draft? And they're, and it all, it constantly leads people into like trapping themselves in these drafts. So it leads to this dead money thing. Like I was talking well, about. It, it leads to, it sounds like it leads to, this is, and similar to DFS, it leads to lineups that have high min-cash equity, right? Because yep. now they're building a line, like, all these Tyreek Hill lineups look the same because they have Mahomes. Like, all these, yep. and you're picking Mahomes at a certain spot that's going to be average to most drafts. So, like, your your cheap stacks, look, dude, there's thousands of others of <laughs> of 20-man lineups that look pretty much sim- Yeah, maybe on the bottom, right? You have a different, you know, fourth yep. wide receiver or some third running back or some whatever bound there. But for the most part, you're if that lineup, that, that lineup, like just like in GPPs, because it's owned, it basically that lineup is correlated to a lot of other lineups that look like that. Yep. 
means that it has to score even more points to possibly win the million, and you have to get that one right whatever. But with your lineup, if you structure around, not around like that, your lineups have, have an, a simpler path to first place. It's like as long, hey, as long as the Bears overperform this year because people think they're not, right, and and the Jets do well enough, it's like I don't care what the Chiefs do because those yeah, Chiefs exactly. teams will be they've they've expended so much of their capital on first like they're not going to score enough of a floor like as long as my as long as my 12th round stack goes off for enough points it's like I'm going to accumulate enough obviously injuries and stuff happens but I mean to me it's it, it to me it's the same as DF I mean like it's the same thing as DFS. The only difference is that you're drafting in fucking June, and who the <laughs> fuck knows? I mean, then it's total uncertainty. I don't call these best balls; these are uncertain balls, <laughs> right? Because like now, I mean, is is there is there something to that? Like, like you're drafting now. Obviously, as we talk about in the course with game theory, perfect and imperfect information, yep. or complete and com- incom- incomplete information. That do you believe? that there's more of an edge, the less information that's available or the more information. I'm not even talking about like studying the players, but I mean, we're not even sure who makes the team type of thing. We don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be like, cause there's enough, not there's enough lack of information, even a week before the first regular season game of the season, obviously you need to get some information during preseason, Right, you're gonna get during training camps or something, but even then, there's still enough uncertainty. Well, there's an edge there, but more people know about the uncertainty. But now in June, like, would you wouldn't you consider that if you took, if you took outside of the game theory element of drafting, two people with the same amount of like information, that one person with more information on who could possibly start and who could, and someone that doesn't know anything. Do you think that there's so much variance from now until September that like even a bad player could end up if they structured their draft with some correlation could end up actually doing well and that the sharper players are should be more likely to wait until the week before the start of the season because people when they do make mistakes are going to be dramatic mistakes. Because yeah. now, now it's very hard. Like, yeah, there are dramatic mistakes in drafting, like just the style, like where mm-hmm. you pick quarterbacks, where you pick certain players. But as yeah. far as like taking flyers on people, it's like, well, no one knows anything. So like by you taking a guy in the fifth round and I taking him in the eighth round, like did, did it matter? The variance between, because we don't know how that's going to shake up. But a week before, if you're uh, some some casual player that's like, well, I'm going to draft this guy and like, like I, I've seen, I've seen some lineups a week before, because I, because obviously people post and make fun of other people, right? Uh, and they go, oh, look at, look at this league. Someone like drafted a guy that literally got like cut the week before, and drafted mm-hmm. him in like the fifth round, and it's like, like that's such a, that's such a big mistake that you have enormous edge. But that player taking that player in the fifth round now. Well, no one knew he's caught. I mean, like we'd like like the Leonard Fournette situation last year, right? Yep. Where yep. people like, well, he's cut, but he's going to get signed from another team, and people were <laughs> acting like like depending on your and people are taking a guy that has been cut in like the third round, and it's like 
Yeah, they ended up getting bailed out to some extent because they ended up signing with the Buccaneers. But like, you're aren't you more likely to to find you're more likely to find the average player gets better because the information is more known, but yep. the bad players get worse because you could make such a big mistake that it essentially destroys your entire team. It's a- absolutely correct, and it's also funny that you brought this up because I wrote about this, like. Oh, you did? You wrote about it. I didn't even read it. When I'm I'm doing my drafts, like, okay, so preface it with I'm doing, I'm trying to do 150, you know, max entry is 150 teams um, on underdog and DraftKings also has their own version of Millie Makers basically are are these tournaments. And so I spent some time thinking about what you just proposed. You have a max of 150, which means once you get to 150, you're done. So you could choose to do all 150 now. So you have to, so part of the strategy is even like, if you're going to play that many lineups, like when do you draft? Exactly. And so I spent some time like thinking about that. I wrote about it on RG and I basically, like I do, like we do on, with, with a lot of things, I ultimately decided the best way is to take like a bar, a barbell approach. And it is, I'm doing essentially, right. It's never perfect, but about half, you know, now early and then half as close to the season as I can get, right? Assuming I'm monitoring if it's filling or, or whatever. Like you said, I'm trying to I'm trying to get as basically as close to the season, and then also like kind of in the most incomplete information scenario as I can get. Because there, in my opinion, there's like kind of two levers, if you will. The one right now is this incomplete information allows me to to get value in the like projection and win probability, you know, upside lever that I would be pulling because I can just build teams that are not going to be possible later. Am I going to have some, I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the the uncertainty and the risk of players getting cut, players getting traded, players not making the team, whatever, in order to hopefully construct some teams that are just not, it's not physically possible, right? It's like, if I had a, a chance by building a DraftKings team at 8 a.m. to unlock $10,000 and more in salary, right? It's just that I'm also going to, you know, build a lot that end up maybe right. Was that down, a, was that a situation last year with Tyreek Hill? I remember yes, last year Tyreek Hill he was like, in the 12th round. Right, like he got into he was going to be suspended possibly or whatever like that, and that like the early drafts like he was going really low, and then yep. like people started complaining that it's like well. Once he was not, and like he ended up like playing, it's like well, those teams have to be the winner. Like, you know, this is a guy that should be taken in the first two rounds that was taken in the twelfth, but that only happened because of the time that it was drafted with the information that was known. So you want to at least have some teams that benefit from that. That that's correct. In understanding, right, that I they, there's risk involved in that, right. And there's also the fact that I'm playing against like the competition level is is slightly higher with these. These are other in general. These are the better drafters, right? The sickos like me drafting in May and June are just naturally a little bit more skillful players. So I'm giving up some of that competition advantage and I'm embracing a lot more risk in order to, like you said, hopefully land on a couple of teams that that kind of hit the nuts, right? Um, because, because of the access to potentially that extra salary cap, like we, like we might be able to get, and then I'm going to the opposite end, right. Where like, okay, I really don't have any information edge, but my competition edge, my skill edge is so much higher across, you know, g- in general across these drafts. Cause it's all the, you know, last year DraftKings. I know they gave away all those. It gave tickets. away. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and I mean it was an absolute stone disaster. Like you, it, it turns it turns out said, you could make better teams a week before than you could <laughs> even with the Tyreek yeah. Hill situation. Like, because I I remember. I mean, I I didn't play any of them, but I just remember my Twitter timeline being like, dude, they gave away so many so many free stuff and and whatever to just random people that either were auto drafting or were just selecting mm-hmm. anyone. And we I would see you know like I saw like backup running backs going in the first round. It's like, it was, like how, it was, you can build super teams if you have like two or three guys in there that are just drafting like random names because it's like everyone gets moved up and then people complaining about like, well, now this makes the teams that I built a week ago, like look pale in comparison, but from a statistical perspective, it's not as like, like, oh, well I drafted, uh, well, th- these teams have to win. Like those teams didn't win. Tyreek, so that's what's, that's also what's so, so many funny. people because oh because of injuries like it seems like oh I was able to get this guy this guy this and it's like you're listing off all the season ending injuries <laughs> right <laughs> like like right. all the teams that were able to get like the McCaffreys and the Barclays and all and all that type of stuff Julio Jones who was out Michael Thomas right it's like look people were yes. looking at their teams going look I got McCaffrey Barkley Michael Thomas and Julio Jones going how do I lose. Well, you lose when they're when when two of them have a season ending or an injury and one only plays like five games. It's like that's part of fantasy football. So like in and of itself, some like it turns out that the teams that you drafted that couldn't have put all those together actually did better. Exactly. And and people but people don't think about that. Going back to your people are viewing it like more like like cash games and people are thinking about it with, with players and ADP and not teams or 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 lineup. That's that's how everyone thinks. They're like, look, I put this superstar squad together. Whereas I'm, I, I, maybe I do. I don't even really know. You know what my teams, my teams look like. I don't know if I have any superstars. I like, because I, I, like I said, I'm not really paying attention to that. I'm trying to put together 150 well crafted teams. Right. I want 150 lineups in this GPP that have maximum win equity. Right. And people also don't understand. Because these are a lot of season-long people coming over, or maybe they do play DFS, but maybe they're not DFS tournament gurus. The difference, even from last year, re- going back and referencing what won that underdog tournament last year, it was like twenty-five uh, percent the size the, the, the contest was. All right, so now this of, is even bit, now you need, need even more leverage. You need even like the wackier stuff. Yeah, and, and but people don't. Again, people aren't. People aren't thinking about that because they're, they're thinking about these players and how do I maximize my ADP value? Right. And like, oh, okay, I know I probably have to stack and maybe I have to do something a little bit crazy or whatever, but they're just not thinking about it in, in the right way. Um, and, and, you know, the, the difficult part can be that you, you know, drafts never fall perfectly your way, right? You could be on your path to this perfectly well-constructed team with a couple of great stacks and a, you know, a fragile, you know, a, a really nice fragile build. And it just falls apart because you get some idiot takes your quarterback, like you said, two, two rounds early, but that's why I'm doing 150, right? I, um, you know, just trying to get it right over the course of this, this entire thing. And it doesn't mean that you're playing like, like, Oh, the jets it doesn't mean that you're playing. It's not like, Oh, I have, I have jet stacks and a hundred out of my 150 lineups. I mean, yeah. Like a right. lot of people look at it that way, go, oh, you're high on this. That means you must have them on like all your team. It's like, no, I, it's the same reason why I'll stack the Tigers, but I'm I'm not going to stack them. And if, if I'm playing 20 lineups, I'm not, I don't have them in all 20 lineups. I mean, like, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm going to be more diverse than that, but I'm going to have more than my, when, when I say, you know, like over the field, more than my fair share. 
So exactly. is that what you do in, in these best ball drafts? Because people would ask the same thing with lineups, not players. They go, uh, so, so you're not going to, you're not going to be high on the Chiefs or the Titans or whatever. It's like, no, you could build high win equity lineups with cheap stacks. It's just, you're going to have to get really weird somewhere else. Or mm-hmm. you could do the thing of, I'm going to take no Chiefs, right? No, I'm going to take no, yep. the top teams, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to take the Titans. I'm not going to take, and I'm going to just hope that they fail enough that like my, you know, whatever you name other teams, Rams or whoever, and like the teams that are like in that second tier and go, I'm going to go have more of my fair share of that and then just hope the Chiefs don't put up enough points that, or whatever. Or then you could also do the thing where uh, like the hand, the hand, like you could do super, like super rigid, like handcuff type of strategy where it's like, I'm going to go all in on one team. I'm going to go more on one team and you take like, the quarterback, the running back, and you take like three of their wide receivers because it's like, well, if this guy gets injured, I'm going to get the spike week out of this other guy. And if I'm, mm-hmm. but now obviously you're taking up more spots on your lineup. So you're in a position where if this team doesn't do well, it's like you have no other slot. Like you're just starting yep. to get really, do you, do you do any of those types of drugs? Cause I could see like people, what I, what I feel, what people do at the later, later rounds is that they start taking those what ifs, the what if upside picks. Like mm-hmm. what if this rookie, what if that is coming in as the fourth wide receiver ends up getting, you know, ends up being, you know, a 70 reception guy, uh, but they're not correlating it to their lineups. It's just like, let me take a flyer. Let me take a flyer here. And to me, it, it would make more sense to when you're trying to go after that million dollar prize of, well, why don't you take Byron Pringle instead and it's like, well, what's so yep. sexy about Byron Pringle? Like, he's not going to break out. I said he's going to break out if two of the Chiefs wide receivers go down. And you already yep. have one of them and Mahomes. So why don't you t- one? But he's too bo- like because from a median perspective, he's a horrible pick because he's like the fourth wide receiver on the team. But if the Chiefs' offense is a is a fourteen and three team, and you know, like well, like, like people took Hardman. Like who mm-hmm. says if you take Tyreek Hill, why don't you take Hardman in the twelfth round? Like, like that would be the natural thing to do. You're wasting a spot because you're not going to get points from both probably in the same week. But if Tyreek goes, to, if Tyreek hamstring ACL first week of the season, like dude, you're sitting there with essentially a first round pick, twelve, yep. ra- and take that guy rather than a flyer on some other team because it's not correlated with with your lineup at all. Exactly. Exactly. And pe- people don't think even just something simple like that, right? Like, okay, I. So, am I getting I all this it, right? Am I have I not never played best ball yet? Yeah, yeah. Based on what I'm saying, I, I probably should be with what what I'm theorizing. I I I. That's what I. That's what I believe, right? I, I understand not wanting to lock up money for that extended period of time, but I believe, as you've seen me tweeting about and talking right, I gotta about, I got to look to see who's on what team now. Well, yeah. Now <laughs> that's now the problem. I don't pay attention to year. The first year you're going to know who's on what team before the before Thursday of the first. <laughs> yeah, before you turn on Thursday night football. Oh shit, he plays for the Falcons now. But so it, it is. It is absolutely that right. It's all the DFS stuff that that we talk about. Lineups, lineups, not players, and it's just little simple things like that, right? I stacked Russell Wilson with Tyler Lockett, and so I need a second tight end. Like 
I, I should be taking Gerald Everett and not Joe, not Austin Hooper. Right. right? It's like, who and I then, did you then, like? Like on your last pick, you should be thinking about taking like someone like David Moore or, yeah. or you know, like. Who is not on the Seahawks? Oh, anymore. I see, that's there's what I first, mean. I don't even know lesson. who's the, I'm thinking of the what, who's the third wide receiver on the Seahawks. But he, that exists. Dwayne, they have a rookie, Dwayne Eskridge, who is like a last or second to last round pick. But perfect same example. Do I like Dwayne Eskridge? No, no I, he might he, he might not even play. I don't know. But he's the third receiver for for Russell Wilson. And so, like, if I need a late round receiver, and I have Russell Wilson, and I have you know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, whatever, I need to be taking him. And, and so that's And, and also you like, need oh, to be, you, yeah, Eric, do you need to be prioritizing that? Like you're more mm-hmm. likely to say uh, he's being drafted typically in the last round. Maybe you take him in the second to last round because yep. it's more important for me to get that guy because he's correlated. So you might, you're going to give up ADP, give up projection for the sake of correlation. And so yep. you, you, you believe what you're talking about, n- n- there's not enough people that are doing this. That's correct. Most of your drafts, you won't see, you know, people, and people might stack, but people, it's all these variables, right? Again, keep saying it like, like with DFS, people might stack in their tournament teams, but they might not, right? Use the, they might give up too much projection or they might be too chalky, vice versa. They might, uh, you know, have a, appropriately leveraged team from an ownership perspective, but there's not enough correlation or, you know, again, the projection is they're not, not people aren't pulling all those levers in it. And in these best ball streets, it is that on steroids. Stacking is like a thing. People have generally figured that out. Well, just like in NFL DFS, you see most lineups quarterback, you're going to see a quarterback wide receiver, but what's the one, what's the things that we don't see enough people do? Those runbacks, those yep. you know, three plus one quarterback plus two pass catchers and an opposing wide receiver, and it's like that yep. extra correlation. Not enough people do, and that's why sharp players tend to have more of the fair share of those types yep. of lineups. But of course, those are more fragile because if the game doesn't go off, like that lineup's dead. Exactly, and and that's the same thing that's that's happening here. So you know, I have to kind of keep beating the dead horse but that's i just believe we're in this infant stage like we were years back in dfs and so it's it's something that i want to i want to invest my time and effort into because i think the edge is massive and now you know if 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 we were just talking about like you said like the the cash games there's 12 man league 10 man league win first and get you know make 100 bucks like no thank you i'm not tying my money up for that but there is now the requisite upside in this investment that I'm making where I'm, you know, giving, giving underdog fantasy, my 25 bucks for nine months or whatever, but that nine bucks can turn into a million now. So, um, and, it's and kind you of because people are drafting to, when you said before, like, I'm just looking to win my league to be live, but that's the same in DFS of building a lineup to win like in a double up. And now you're playing, you're treating your contest. Like the league isn't your entry. It's this million dollar prize pool that's yep. your entry. So like winning the league is like is it they're building cash lineups and yep. hopefully having the upside think I mean because people do that in DFS, right? They're like, oh, I'm gonna put my cash lineup in a GPP. It's like, well, don't put it in a large field GPP. It's like, well, what happens if it's the highest what happens if it's the highest score on the slate? I said, if it yep. ends up being a lineup that could win a large field GPP. 
you are a horrible cash game player, right? <laughs> that's 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 what you should yes. take out of it. Okay, so your yes. expectation should be this doesn't come first place in a hundred thousand entry field in NFL, right? Like it should it shouldn't be that. So being that that's not your expectation, why are you drafting a team that is maximized to win a twelve team league? but not maximized to put up a score that could beat any other score of anyone that's playing in any league. And just for the sake of having more bullets, but that's, but that's how you, but Eric, that's how you take advantage of the small field, high stakes contest in DFS, where you're like, you know that a lot of these players are either, either they're straight up playing their cash lineup or they're playing a lineup (laughs) that, that the lev the projection lever is at its highest and like the and the correlation is there. They put enough, but the leverage is kind of like like so. It's chalk pitcher, chalk stack. It's going to be you know the 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 two running back combination. It's going to be you know these two running backs are going to be mm-hmm. in the main GPP. They're thirty percent owned, but in your contest they're seventy percent owned. And you're like, well, because I know that, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I'm going to sacrifice this much projection, but get like three times the amount of leverage that I should be getting. And that's that's what you believe that in best ball now people people are building cash lineups. It's very so. I guess this is very similar to maybe DFS in like 2013. I mean, yeah. before I played because by the time I started in 2015, some of these concepts like the stack correlation and ownership was a little bit more of a thing. Now it's yeah. obviously heavily a lot of a thing. <laughs> uh, but so I'm I'm considered very similar to 2013. Where I I could go back and watch you know Roto Grinders shows from 2013, and almost everyone is talking about cash lineups and medians types of who are the best plays from a like a safe perspective, who's going to mm-hmm. do well average wise, and no one's talking about well what happens if the Pirates go off today? Like no one talked like that, because there were large field GPPs, but people were like focused too much on how do I how do I cash and then hopefully do well and you you're you're thinking that five years from now in 2026 you're going to be sitting that someone like me right this is what i'm I'm afraid of i'm not going to play best ball and then someone like me is going to start playing best ball in 2026 going if i would have known what i know now in 2021 right because that's what i think now in dfs it's like dude if i Mm -hmm. was playing if I had the tools I had and knowledge I had in 2012, 2013, if I had the bankroll I had in 2015, like, dude, I'd be a fucking millionaire, right? I'd, I'd have several million precisely. dollars by now if I knew, if I had the bankroll. Because 2015, I had to build up my bankroll. I didn't really have a big enough bankroll until maybe 2018. But at, mm-hmm. by that time, my edge, like people were talking about what we talk about. Because like back then, right. Jesus Christ, I would have just, I would have been 150ing and fucking, fucking crushing shit just like Sahil and Condia. <laughs> yeah. So that's no, what you're no, hoping no, for. That's... You're hoping for to have the early mover advantage. But why do you think that, that, that people are doing less of what you're talking? Is, is it the type of thing just like with what I say with Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, the course? Because, I mean, I, I take a look at Levitan's content. I take a look at ETR. I take a look at, like, Leone and Dink and and all. And, and people that are good at best ball, Herzig, like, they, the sharp guys know this. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, the content is out there. Like, you're making, you're, you're literally making it. So is it the type of thing where 
even though there is content saying like, like this is how you should be thinking of best ball that just 95% of people aren't going to fucking do it. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a more difficult application actually, I think, which is sounds crazy because people have a really, really hard time applying it to, to DFS, but it's, it's a combination of things. It's also, like you said at the very beginning, it's one slate, right? So even though you're doing a, a bunch of drafts, you don't kind of get to see the results of this this process of, of playing the game appropriately, right? I'm pulling all these levers on each draft perfectly, and I have no idea for a year, right? Right from right now, it's like nine months. I don't know for nine months if I was successful at it or not, right? And then we look back, We'll do the same sh- stupid shit we did. We're doing right now. We look back at last year and we say, "Oh, that that was six, that was, that won, that was successful." You know, maybe it's zero RB, right? So ne- next year's like a zero RB team wins a million dollars, and next year we're going to be like, "Oh, got to do got to do zero RB." Yeah, but so you're building this, multiple types of lineups. So I mean, you you're correct. probably building zero RB lineups as well as robust, as well as the like. Because you're playing 150 lineups, you're playing different strategies. So it's not like, yep. oh, I just played this one strategy in 150 lineups, and if that's not the strategy that wins, like fuck it, like that, like you're not, you're being more diverse from that. But I'm just saying right. that that the more people talk about structured drafting and spike weeks and and less and less about these median ADPs, these mean cash type of mentality type of things for 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 the large contest, for the million dollar type mm-hmm. of contest. You, you just don't believe people are people are just going to read it and just not do it. Kind of. That's what. Uh, or just that, not. Or, do, or do you think that it. they'll read it? They'll they'll want to do it in practice. It's very similar to poker. I could teach someone how to yes. play. Yes. Po- po- like when I, when yes. I would kind of coach people. I mean, I didn't. I I'd never coach coach. But people were like, can you get me some tips or whatever? And anything I they in the heat of the battle, they're still like, I'm not sure what I should be doing with this hand. And it's like, well, because you have to apply all these variables at once and everything's always going to change. Every The table's going to be different. The people are going to be different. The chip stacks are going to be different. You just have to kind of know these concepts and then estimate and then make the best decision. And if you can't, like, you could understand it on paper off the table and go, I get it, I get it. But in the heat of make a decision in 15 seconds, like, it just, like, it just, they end up going to their reptile brain of, like in best ball, the reptile brain is uh, what's the best player available. Like I, like I, yep. and and they could and they could lie to themselves and say, what was that? What else was I supposed to do? I took the best player available, right? And I lost yep. taking the best player available. No, no, you can't feel shame for yourself t- doing it that way. When when you take a guy in the seventh round that most people are taking in the eleventh, and it doesn't work out, like you look like an idiot. Right <laughs> yep. now, when it works out, you look like a genius, but you're more likely to have success in these large contests by being willing to look like an idiot. That's that's uh, so your two examples are, are perfect. So I'm glad you you brought it up. The first one is, you know, these are live drafts with a 30 second pick clock. Right. And so a lot and a lot of people are like doing them on their phone or whatever, or while they're doing something else. I do that, too. Right. I'm working and I'll just pop pop one up or whatever in an afternoon. And so those people, like you said, may know these concepts. They may read what I write or listen to Leone and Herzig or, or, or Levitan Silva, whatever, and be like, yep, that makes sense. I'm going to do that. And then they're on the clock in the seventh round, and they've, they've drafted whatever. Tyler Lockett and, and Russell Wilson was falling to them, 
and oh shit, the guy in front of me took Russell Wilson. Right, I was planning. I was I was gonna get it. I was gonna get my my Seahawks stack, and now uh, I don't know who. Like you said, who's the best? Who's the best player available? Well, you already took four running backs, but the best player available is a running back, and you click running back. It's like, but your team, like it's over. Like, could you win? Sure, but like you just made a bad. You just made a minus EV team, and it's because you in the heat of the moment humans just make those mistakes because it actually it is hard i mean every I, I make mistakes too it it happens you only get 30 seconds and you know every draft is different you generally know about who's available when and and whatever when you start to do a bunch of them but every draft is a, just like you said like a, a, a hand of poker is just a little bit it's just a little bit different and so um i think that you know, there's a lot of skill in that that the field needs a lot of time to to catch up with but then just uh, the other thing is like that that element of, of the, the GPP thing, right? This large field GPP, what you said, the good – I forget exactly how, how you worded it. But the, the teams that you know can win those don't look good. You don't right, share they look those like idiotic teams. Like why would you do that? share those on Twitter, right? Everybody wants to – you don't have screenshot equity when you draft a team that probably has win equity. It looks contests, like a genius right? you, when you win, but you wouldn't want to show yes. it to anyone before. Exactly. I, I show I show you my jet stack, and I and I, I took an early running back, but I never took a run. I don't I don't have I basically don't have a second running back week one, right? I have all these kind of guys, but that's the fragility thing. Like especially right now, not only do I have you know all of training camp and so what if Alvin Kamara gets hurt during training camp? Latavius Murray is going in like the fourteenth round. It's like okay, yeah, that looks like shit right now because i'm not even going to like score any points with my second running back but like i'm just opening myself up to this fragile approach because i need those crazy outcomes in order for this team to win right but you post that on twitter they're like what the fuck are you doing they're like what is that team you they're like you give advice for this shit you don't even have a second running back well, you know? look, but look like, at look at me last year when i did the year before in baseball when i'm playing vomit stacks that no one else is and people are like oh, you're tigers marlins pirates what are you an idiot <laughs> Right, and then until the two, two, two times that it wins, and it's like, and then then you have the other people. What made what puts you on the Marlins? It's like I play these fucking teams every goddamn day. I play <laughs> well now I don't. Now I play the expense. I play the diamond stack. Right. but it's the same type of thing, and it's the human. I think it's the especially in our community, where especially if you're a content creator, like you look like an idiot if it's like, well, I'm taking a lot of jets. I'm taking a lot of this. It's like, well. He's not an idiot if you actually read his articles of, like, he's just trying to build teams that could win first place. And if it doesn't, it comes in last place. Like, it, it's <laughs> they're going to look. Let, look at showdown lineups. Look at MMA lineups. Look at, you know, when you're trying to not be duplicated. Yep. Those lineups look like you, like, in NFL showdown, I mean, the <laughs> common advice that I give is, like, if you feel really uncomfortable about your lineup, it's probably a good lineup. Play it. If yeah. you feel really safe, it's if you're like, I, I think this one could win. If you actually think that, it's duplicated about thirty four hundred times. Right? Exactly. The every I can't remember a showdown slate where we got to the end of the game. Right? We see the winning team, and everybody's on Twitter or in, in Discord or whatever. They're like, "What a stupid team! How did that? How did that team win first place? Oh, that guy solo ship. That's such a terrible team." You're like, "Well, that's the fucking point. Right. That's the that is the exact point." Except the, the Mariota backup week. That was that was a. That was that's that's that was that's siege brain. That was siege brain. Right. Yeah, that was siege brain. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, uh, you're so you're writing this uh, some of this uh, best ball stuff on Roto Grinders, right? 
that that's correct. I've got uh, I don't know five or six pieces up. I'm just kind of you know that 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 is one of the nice things of kind of getting out in front of of some of this stuff. I have to do this this for work, and so like kind of it's just kind of like as the things come to my come to my mind, or like as I experience it in a draft, or as I think more deeply about some of these things. Um, I'm, I'm writing them up um, and trying to do exactly what you said. Like, yes, it'll be like, look, I, I like this team, but here's why, right? And here's the, the type of lineup or the type of draft that, that they would fit, right? Or whatever, I want to get exposure to this team, like you said, with the Chiefs, but here's when Tyreek Hill makes sense and here's when Miko Hardman makes sense. So I'm trying to always kind of put those kind of spins on different things and, and um, a couple of pieces a week on average, one or two. Okay, so check that out on Roto Grinders. Eric Bime four on Twitter. The best it was a best ball episode. It was un, uncertain balls or whatever. I mean, the uncertain same balls. concepts of it. It's it's kind of funny how you have different variations of the same types of games and the same concepts tend to apply. Just the mechanics are different of each game. So that's why people that are good at DFS are probably good at best ball or probably good at poker or probably good at any other types of peer to peer based games. Yep. involving probability and uh so all the stuff that's in the course it probably it probably to some extent applies to to season long to best ball to stuff like that so uh so check out eric's posts and uh as always the theory of daily fantasy sports 15 hour audio dfs masterclass that you could pick up at theoryofdfs.com